Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. A science story, huh? These NYU scientists, they... And I felt, it felt, felt I feel right. I was so and I just thought, well... I figured it out. It was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This week's story is from Lane Jackson Hubbard. It was recorded in July 2016 at E-Town Hall in Boulder, Colorado, after we spent three days working with amazing scientists from the University of Colorado's BioFrontiers Institute. I woke up. I was in a strange bed wearing strange clothes in a room all alone. I didn't know where I was or how I had gotten there. I look on my wrist and there's a hospital tag around it. My birthday was three days ago, but I don't remember what happened. My head hurts, my back hurts, and my neck is in a collar. I think I must have gotten into a bicycle accident because I'm a bike commuter, and that's dangerous. I decide to check and see if I'm paralyzed. So, slowly, I wiggle my toes and wiggle my fingers and move around my knees and my elbows until finally I'm wiggling my whole body and I say, okay, I have movement. So I look out the door of the hospital room to check and make sure a nurse isn't watching and slowly I climb out and I hobble over to the corner and grab my backpack that I see and drag it back to bed. I open the backpack and inside there's clothes that I recognize and a newspaper and a notebook and an address book because I had refused up to that point uh, to get a cell phone. So I open this address book, and I start flipping through the names. Some I recognize, some I wonder if we're still friends, if I can call them. And finally, at the back, I see my roommate, an anchor point. Yes, I should call my roommate. So I pick up the phone. It's about 10 p.m., and I dial her number. She answers. She sounds pretty worried. And I say, hey. I don't know where I am, but I think I've been in an accident, and don't worry. <laughs> she sounds worried. I tell her, I think I'll be okay. Let me call you in the morning when I hear more. And I hang up. I start going back through my address book, back through my belongings, 
when a few minutes later I think, oh, I should call my roommate and tell her that I'd been in an accident. I bet she's worried. So I pick up the phone and I call her and I say, hey, don't worry, I think I've been in an accident and I'll call you tomorrow, okay? She says, you just told me that. Oh, okay, I'll figure it out. Don't worry, I'll call you back. So I go back through my belongings, I pull out the newspaper, I pull out my clothes, and then suddenly I realize I should call my roommate. I bet she's so worried about me. So I call the number, and as I'm talking, I start to feel like I've heard these words before. And I taper off and I ask her, have I already called you and told you this? She says, yes. Okay, I'll figure it out. And I hang up the phone. So I decide I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm not going to be spending the night calling people that I don't know and be embarrassed. So let me pull out this notebook and start taking notes so that I don't do this again. And I want to read you the first entry from my notebook. Hello, my name is Lane Jackson Hubbard. I'm 22 years old, and my birthday was three days ago. I called my roommate about the accident, so all is good. I'm starting to come to, and the pain and stiffness make me want to cry. I'm wondering who I should call for comfort. I'm wondering if I have a boyfriend, and what day of the week it is. What did I do for my birthday? Just writing is calming to me. I must have peed my pants because I'm wearing new ones and I think I remember the smell. I'll confess to you that I did call the number of an ex-boyfriend in my phone book and I asked him if we were still dating. <laughs> we were not. <laughs> During the night, my memory started coming back to me in senses, touch, taste, smell. The first memory that kept coming back to me over and over and again was the taste of cream cheese frosting on my tongue. I didn't know why I kept tasting it, but I liked it. And then a birthday candle on a cupcake. And then the sound of everyone singing happy birthday, and then a little boy's face blowing out his candle. Aha, I remembered. I had just started teaching preschool, and it was one of my students' birthday parties. And then the memory of a man's face started coming through my mind. Over and over his face, and I didn't know who he was. He was white, with brown hair and glasses. Over and over his face. So I started flipping through my newspaper, something like Metaphysical Times. And at the back of it, aha, that's his face. And it says, free acupuncture treatment. <laughs> and I think that sounds like something that I would do. <laughs> and then it comes back to me, that's why I'm wearing these clothes. The clothes in my backpack are the clothes I wear to teach preschool. And these clothes are clothes my grandmother sent me on my birthday three days ago that I don't remember. I wore these clothes to go to my acupuncture treatment. But I don't know if I ever made it there. I slept fitfully that night. I was in a lot of pain. And in the early morning, 
the nurse had come in and helped clarify some things for me. I want to read you one of my entries from my journal. My nurse told me that my handlebars hit a fence, and I flew into the road. Oops. It happened around 5 p.m., and the ambulance brought me here, and they did tests in the ER until about 10 p.m., and then I came into this purple room. Yikes. I don't remember any of this. They said I will go home today, and that scares me. I was discharged that day. My roommate picked me up, and I was taken home in crutches. The neurologist told me, take two weeks, bed rest, keep your stress levels low, and come back to me in two weeks, and we'll see how your brain is. So I go home, and I sleep most of the time. And after about a week, I get a letter in the mail. I open it up, and it's a bill for $11,000 for my overnight stay in the hospital. Don't stress, I said. You told me to go home and rest, don't stress, and you send me a bill for $11,000, and I'm a preschool teacher? I would like to say that I uh, dutifully paid it off immediately, but I did get very angry, and I shoved it away for quite a while. It took me four years to pay that off. And after four years of teaching preschool, I decided I was ready to go to school myself. So I enrolled in the neuroscience program at the university, and I began working as a research assistant in a lab studying cognitive development in young children. We were answering the question, how does the brain secrete the mind? One of the PhD students in the lab was doing an fMRI study on how stress might affect cognition. And for the fMRI study, she's going to take images of the brain. And I thought, well, this is perfect. I'll volunteer to be a pilot for your study because I never went back to that neurologist. And I want to find out if I'm normal. <laughs> but the fMRI is a machine that uses a giant magnet to measure brain activity. And I first needed to make sure that I didn't have any magnets in my body lest I stick to the machine when I enter the room. So I think, I should call that hospital and see if they did anything to me while I was unconscious. So I called the hospital, and they said, you can come and get your medical records. I show up, I go down into the basement, and for $20, they print me off 48 pages of medical records from my overnight stay. The patient is a pleasant, young, Caucasian female who is in no acute distress. However, she does perseverate about the details of a dream. 6.50 p.m. Patient refuses tetanus, believes she is up to date, does not remember event, continues to repeat questions. 7.58 p.m. Patient is alert and oriented now, but is unsure of the bike accident. She describes it as she has been dreaming. Patient is assisted on and off bedpan. 9 p.m. Patient transferred via stretcher from ER with cervical collar intact. Refuses Tylenol at this time. Refuses pain meds at this time. Neurocheck went well, but patient states she does not remember today or what brought her into the hospital. 9 p.m. Patient found with brace off neck. Patient encouraged to wear brace. <laughs> 
Patient put brace back on. <laughs> the next morning, 9 a.m., Patient becomes emotional upon entry into the room, reports no memory of the event, states trying to piece it together. Last memory was teaching preschool yesterday and student's birthday party, then waking up in room currently with cervical collar on. Neuro's intact, states pain, but refuses pain medication. I was in awe. I had always been so afraid of letting go or losing control lest I say something or do something or someone takes advantage of me. And yet here I was, and not only was I not unconscious, but I was quintessentially me, an excited girl running around telling strangers about her dreams. Thank you. That was Lane Jackson Hubbard. Lane is a PhD student in computer science at the University of Colorado Boulder and is the founder of MindScribe, a startup company working to empower early childhood development through creative technologies. If you enjoyed today's story or a fan of the podcast, please consider writing us a review on iTunes. We're also grateful for the support of the Simons Foundation, who helped make this all possible. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, Ari Daniel, Christine Gentry, Skyler Bear, Shane Hanlon, Rosie Waldron, and Liz Neely, with help from Ariel Miller. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth, and the theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to E-Town Hall for hosting the show, and to hospitals for being a place to wake up in. Thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.